Welcome to Simply Jesus Podcast. Today's message is part one in a series examining what it means to become a childlike learner of Christ. Would we be first several weeks of walking with Christ, first several months, first several years, first several decades of having walked with Him. Even if we've walked with Him 50 or more years, Christ says that we're still to come to Him as that pation, as that child, as that one who's coming to Him in humility, as that one who's coming to Him aware that He is infinite and we are absolutely finite. You're our faithful Redeemer. We lift our eyes to You. We give you praise and we give you thanks. We give you honor. We acknowledge your name even now, Lord Jesus. You are high above the earth, high above all of the heavens. We acknowledge your name and we give you praise and we give you thanks. We invite you to have your way, Lord. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to come to speak to our hearts. Lord, if there is any way in which our hearts have been hardened, we ask that you would soften our hearts so that we would be ready and available to you, that we would be receptive to what it is that you're desiring to teach us. We want to be your servants. We want to be your students. We want to be your pupils, students in your school, your school which you are teaching us. We thank you and we praise you for that. We invite you to come and to teach us Come and be our teacher. Come and be our way. Your word tells us that you are the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father apart from you. And so we come to you, the one who is our way, and we invite you to teach us. We invite you to take us to new places in you, new places that we have not seen, new places of greater depth and greater wisdom and understanding of your spirit. We desire you to utilize us. We desire our bodies to be temples of your spirit, that our bodies would be temples of your Holy Spirit, ready and available to you. We thank you and we praise you that you modeled this for us. You showed us what it meant to lean upon you. You showed us what it meant to be completely dependent upon the Father for all things. And you have said that that is how we are to live. You are not setting us a standard that we were to just look at but not experience. You are setting us an example that as you lived, so would we live in this world. And so we thank you and we praise you that you will teach us these things as we humble ourselves before you, as we acknowledge our need for you, as we acknowledge our need to be taught. We are in need of being taught. We have not come to the fullness of all that you are. We have not tasted of the fullness of all that you are. We are desperately in need of a deeper revelation of who you are. And in faith, we just believe you for that. Even this day, even in this moment, we thank you for an even deeper revelation of who you are. Lord Jesus, it's in your name we pray. We commit this time into your hands. Amen. We're going to be talking today about the kind of heart that we should have when we come to God, Uh, the kind of heart that we should have as we come into his presence, the kind of heart that we should have as we come to the scriptures, the kind of heart that we should have when we open ourselves up to his spirit and invite him to teach us a deeper level of what it means to know God. We're talking also about uh, to yada God, to know him at the deepest, most inmost place within our hearts. We're going to look at the scripture in Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 15 through 17. 
Jesus gives us an example here of the kind of heart that we should have as we come to him. We have been called to be lifelong childlike learners. Lifelong childlike learners. Not uh, lifelong religious experts, but lifelong childlike humble servants of the king. Verse 15, so we're in Luke 18, 15. And they were bringing even their babies to him so that he would touch them. This is Jesus. So the people were bringing their babies to him so that he would touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they began rebuking them. And Jesus called for them, saying, Permit the children to come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child. The Greek word there for child is padion. Padion. And it means a little child. Even it can be used as an infant uh, when we look at Christ as a child. Uh, as the newborn child, there's padion, as an infant, a little child. He's saying here, um, whoever does not come to him as a little child, the oldest ages, some view this term as being used as ages seven and under. When you think of a child who is seven and under, you think of a, a person, a little person, that has an insatiable desire to learn, an insatiable hunger to learn more. And he's saying, whoever doesn't come to me as a little child, hungry to learn, uh, humble, aware that he or she is not an expert in anything, but you're coming before the living God who literally knows all things. He is infinite in his understanding, and we're coming before him as a little padion, a little child, a young child, question, asking questions of God, uh, willing to learn, humble and submissive to his spirit. This is the kind of heart that we must have as we approach God. Uh, too often in our religious experience, we find that we first came to Christ that way. We understood that we were just a padihon, we were just a child. But somehow over time, the religious system begins to try to warp our mind into thinking, well, now I've advanced beyond that. Uh, somehow over these years, I've learned about prayer and I've learned the word. I've read through the Bible however many times. And I've been to this worship conference and this training session and, and this mission experience and all these things begin to build up over time. And we can sometimes subtly begin to step away from being like that little pation that little child that we knew at one time we were just a child in comparison to the knowledge of God. We were just a young child, a young boy or a young girl as we were coming to approach him. And we can begin to take on a faulty understanding of who we are and begin to think of ourselves in some cases as though we've risen above coming to God as a child. Now we're we're grown and we just approach him uh, just as an adult, maybe even as a peer, and this is a grave error. If we begin to approach God that way, we've stepped away from that humble, childlike, submissive state 
where the Holy Spirit can speak corrective words to us, where we can come to him and we're bringing everything to him, every situation, every circumstance, every relationship, we're bringing these things to him as a child, saying, Abba, Daddy, I don't know what to do with these things, but I know that you do, and so I bring it to you. I don't come to you as an expert. I come to you just as a young child, aware of my need for more of you, aware that I am desperately in need of your wisdom and of your insight, and if I don't receive that from you, I'll be lost. My human understanding can't comprehend your ways, and so I come to you in submission and in humility. As we're continuing on this theme of how do we approach God, the heart that comes to God as a childlike learner, a lifelong learner, I have a picture of an elementary school student in class. And if you can picture in your mind a student who's very eager to learn, and they've come into that classroom, and they've got their paper there, and they're wanting to learn, they're hungry to learn, they're ready to learn. They haven't uh, come into some of the skepticism of uh, older students that maybe we might think of a, as a child in school, but they are actually excited about school. They're, they're thirsty to learn more. And it's that same picture that we ought to have in our hearts as we come to God, uh, no matter what age we might be in the Spirit, whether we be first several weeks of walking with Christ, first several months, first several years, first several decades of having walked with Him. Even if we've walked with Him 50 or more years, Christ says that we're still to come to Him as that pation, as that child, as that one is coming to Him in humility, as that one is coming to Him aware that He is infinite and we are absolutely finite. We are so minuscule in comparison to His wisdom and to his understanding that we must lean deeply into him, de deeply and desperately dependent upon him, even for our very life, even for the next words that we say. It's that kind of dependency that Christ modeled for us. He modeled a depth of dependency. He said, I, I don't even speak outside of what my father has spoken. I don't even do one thing outside of me seeing my father doing it. I'm desperately, completely, utterly dependent upon him. And let me ask a question here. If Christ was that dependent, if the Messiah, the Holy One, the Chosen One of God, was that dependent upon the Father for all things, how much more should we, fallen, finite human beings, yes, filled, yes, indwelt with his Spirit, but fallen and finite, how much more should we not be absolutely, utterly dependent upon the Father for all things? There's a word as, we, as we're still continuing in this theme of coming to God with a childlike humility, and it's mathetes. And that word in the English is translated disciple. We know mathetes, the word disciple, we know of these 12 disciples who were those who were around Jesus pretty much almost 24-7 as we look at their, the life that Christ led before them. He was living with them day and night and modeling for them exactly the kind of life that he was then going to in turn hand over to them, the mission that he was living with his father. They were on mission together. Christ said the father was always at work. He was always at work, and Christ was joining with him in his work. 
in this same lifestyle that Christ modeled of dependency on the Father and walking alongside others in a depth of intimacy, he then turns over to the disciples at his departure and says, just as you have been seeing me live now, I'm calling you to go and make disciples of all nations. Go and make disciples of all of the nations. It's Matthew 28:18 through 20. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. Make disciples of all the nations. Make mathetes is a learner, a disciple, a pupil, a follower of Christ who learns the doctrines of Scripture and the lifestyle required to walk them out. So here Christ is saying they were to go and to make learners, to teach and instruct, make students of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Here it is again, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So they were called to go and to make disciples or learners. We are to be constantly learning from the Father. We are never to come to a place where we act or feel as though we have arrived. That's not to say we don't function in the authority that God has given to us to function in, but we come to him as an ongoing student, an ongoing pupil of his spirit. We're constantly being instructed by him. And we are to have an insatiable hunger and desire for more of him, more of his life. If we have somehow lost a desire, if we have somehow lost our hunger for more of Christ, we need to ask God, we need to go back to him and ask him to rekindle that hunger in our hearts again. Cause our hearts to come back to the place where we are thirsty for him where we're hungry for more of him. Some of the times we're not thirsty for more of him. We're not hungry for more of him because we've been filling up our lives with other things. And these things might be obviously just worldly, temporary things that we could look at and say, well, if I'm honest with myself, I know that that is not really pleasing to the Father. If I'm honest with myself, I would at least be able to say, yes, I know it's pretty empty. And on the final day, it's not going to amount to anything. It's not going to be able to pass through the fire on that day. It'll be one of those areas of my life that is burned up. But there might also even be areas that appear very good to the human eye that if we have closer examination of it, we're going to find that that's not exactly what God has called us to. And it's caused us to become distracted with the one that our hearts and our eyes are to be set on. We're to be, have our eyes and our hearts and all that we are, our very being fixed on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. All of our being literally set on him, our entirety of our hope hung on Christ all of our hope fully hung on him. And instead, what we can find, even seemingly good things like Christian ministry, Christian activities, 
can come in and seek to rob us of that depth of intimacy that Christ has purchased for us. And so whenever we see that there's a lack of hunger for God, a lack of desire for him, that should be like a warning sign on the dashboard of our life. Just like as we're driving in a car down the road and a light, maybe it's the check engine light or some other light, blinks on that dashboard and we look down and we realize, oh, we've got to do something about that. We've got to take this vehicle in to get checked up or we need to have something repaired on it. There's something that's wrong with it. In the same way, in our spiritual lives, if we're at a place now, walk with the Lord, where somehow or another our hunger, our thirst, our passion for Christ has begun to wane, then that should be to us like a check engine light. There's something wrong, and that's not even just a minor problem or issue with the car. You want to get that in and serviced quickly. We want to look at some of the things that hinder us from being learners. Because even as we are talking about the fact that we're to be lifelong learners, we have to then begin to ask ourselves the question, well, if I'm to be in this place of childlike humility, hungering, insatiable desire to learn more of Christ, then why is it that I've not been tasting of that? Or why is it maybe it's been some time since I've really had that passionate hunger to learn more and to go deeper into the Lord? There are several things that can hinder us in this pursuit of remaining a lifelong learner, one of which, and probably the most prominent or maybe the most obvious, at least to other people, is that of pride. Uh, whenever we begin to think that we've arrived or we have this depth of understanding, the Word tells us that if you come to a place where you feel like you are fully grasped all these things, then you've not yet truly learned it. And we must continuously be cultivating an attitude of humility in ourselves. Even as we may watch God use us in some way, our hearts must continue to remain humble and aware that whatever good we might have even seen flow in or through our lives was nothing more than the grace of God, nothing more than his mercy on us, that we were totally and completely undeserving of that revelation or that gift that he might have utilized through us that blessing that he brought to someone else through us, whether it be through our words or through whatever means he used our lives. Instead, we must continually keep our eyes on the Lord and realize that it wasn't us, it was him. And as we stayed connected to him, he was able to use us, but we're never to become prideful in any way or to begin to believe that we can't receive from other people. That's a huge trap. Whenever we begin to feel like we're at some spiritual plane, that those around us, the other fellow followers of Christ that God has placed in our lives, whenever we begin to come into a mentality, a mindset that we're somehow so far above them that they are not able to really speak into our lives, we are in error on some level and we're very we're on very dangerous ground really because if there's no one in our sphere of influence no one within our fellow christ walkers who are able to speak into our lives speak a word of correction speak a word of admonishment speak a word of encouragement then we're dangerously isolated 
and we're in a position that we might easily begin to go off the path that Christ would have for us. And sad to say, there's no one there that we feel is qualified to be able to speak into us to get us back onto the right path. And so we find ourselves sliding off that path, and yet there's no one there. There may be people around us that God's placed there to be able to speak into our lives, but our mentality has come to believe that they don't have that right. They somehow, they're not on the same spiritual plane as us. And so this heart of humility, we must continue to combat pride, especially as we begin to see God utilize us. Uh, Our lives must continue to pursue humility or we're going to fall into a pride that is going to hinder us from being used of God and might even cause us to fall off that path. And it won't be necessarily as a result of the people around us not seeking to help or speak truth in, but we have allowed ourselves to have a mindset that doesn't give them any room to speak into our lives. A secondary thing related to our flesh, and there's really the three primary prison gates that we talk about. There's the flesh, which is really our pride and our unbelief. And then there's the world system slash religious system, which is really the system of life, the way of life that is around us, both out in the world, those that have no knowledge of Christ, and the way of life among the circles of believers that we may be connected to. And that can be a system that can be set up to keep us from Christ As surprising as that may seem to us, we see the same thing took place in Jesus' day, where the Son of God himself had come on the earth, was there dwelling among men, and yet it was the religious system itself which was most against what God was seeking to accomplish. It was those who were in the roles of leadership that were the most confrontational to Christ during his life and ministry. There was also a world system in place with the tax collectors and prostitutes and people of that nature, but we see that among them there was a greater receptivity to the reality of Christ than there was in the religious circles. And though we now have the name of Christ on many things within the religious system, just because it has his name on the exterior, we shouldn't be fooled into just assuming that that is the way things are done. Because as we heard from the Lord himself, he said, many will say to him, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this, this, this in your name? And he'll say, away from me, you workers of iniquity, or you lawless ones, I never knew you. And here were people saying, Lord, Lord, they called him Lord. They had on the external, there was a Jesus was on the front, was on the external of what they were talking about. And yet, On the internal, there was lawlessness, there was a wickedness of heart, a wickedness of lifestyle, and there were things that completely displeased the Lord. In our day and time, we have to be very careful that we don't fall into a religious system that begins to hinder our intimacy with the Father, with our Abba, keeping us or pushing us or pulling us away from being little children in his hands, coming to him as simple students, learners, pupils, willing to be constantly trained and taught deeper things of the Lord. If we find anything in our circle of believers that causes us to be hindered in our growth with the Lord, then we ought to bring those things to the Lord, pray into those things, Pray into those things. Pray for those around you who might be caught up in a religious system that's keeping them or hindering them from a depth of intimacy in Christ. Because we know that the Lord has come 
to give us eternal life. And he said, eternal life is this, that they may know you, Father, and me whom you have sent. Eternal life is to know God, to yada God, to know him in the deepest sense. That word yada is the same word used between the physical union of a husband and wife. The depth of oneness that is in a marriage relationship as God had ordained it. That same kind of oneness that is modeled in the physical and that bears fruit with physical children in the spirit is the same kind of oneness that we were to have with God's spirit. And out of that oneness with his spirit, we were to bear much fruit. Thank you for joining us today. Other Simply Jesus resources are available online at www.simplyjesusonline.com. That's three words, simplyjesusonline.com. Thank you.